0: Let's pray. Father, bless us from your scriptures. Send your spirit down that he might illuminate them to our hearts and minds. Give us great encouragement and build our faith. And teach us to live by faith, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is a sermon about the thing that Joseph never saw coming. Knowing the future is valuable. Right now, there are massive computers running complex models of the future. The future of the weather and the climate, the future of the financial markets, the future of the COVID pandemic. And they do this so that we might prepare for what we think is likely to happen next. Knowing the future, we can prepare. We can prevent getting caught out by the bad stuff. We can profit by being ready to catch the good stuff. But the future does not give up her secrets. Some things may be pretty predictable in the short term, but the biggest impact events are almost completely unpredictable especially at long range. Pandemics are a classic example. Here we are in the midst of one, droughts are another. But despite the fact the future doesn't give up her secrets to us easily, nothing is secret to God. He does not need big data and AI algorithms. He knows the future because he brings it about. God is he who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, we hear in Ephesians 1. But God is not in the habit of giving previews of the future to us. And yet, in today's passage from Genesis, he does. He reveals to Pharaoh and to Joseph that a seven-year famine is to come upon the land of Egypt. It won't happen for seven years But it is coming. And so we might ask, why? Why does God give this warning in this way? So today I want to look at the story. I want to think about that question and have some reflections on it at the end. So let's begin with the story. And it might be great if you had that open in front of you. It's the story of an exaltation that Joseph didn't see coming. Or you could think of it as the story of a helper that Pharaoh didn't see coming. We begin the story after two whole years. Two whole years after we left Joseph languishing in prison. Two more years of Joseph being forgotten and feeling as if he's living in a pit we begin, after these two years, with Pharaoh and two troubling dreams. We zoom out in this part of the story now from Joseph's personal circumstances to the story of all Egypt and not just you know, for the next five minutes, for the next 14 years, we've entered a new phase of the story. The pharaoh, king of Egypt, dreams of fat and thin cows, of plump heads of grain and of blighted heads of grain, and he's troubled and his experts can't help. They work their magic with data analysis and dream modelling, but it all comes to nothing somehow. But this trouble jogs the memory of the forgetful cupbearer. Once I was in jail, he remembers, and he tells Pharaoh, and I had undecipherable dreams, and there was a young Hebrew there. We read in verses 12 and 13, a servant of the captain of the guard. As he interpreted the dreams to us, so it turned out. And so Joseph is kind of dug out of his prison, out of his dungeon, presumably to his total surprise that after two years, this connection with the cupbearer would actually come to something. It's a deliverance he had probably given up on, but even if he hadn't, even if he had some hope in his heart that one day the cupbearer would remember him, he could not predict when that could happen. And so here he is, suddenly jerked from his pit. It's like a resurrection from the dead. If you were making a movie of this, wouldn't this be a great scene? As Joseph has a rattle of his cage and he's brought out and bathed and shaved and clothed and led from the darkness of his dungeon, blinking into the splendour of the presence of Pharaoh. And put immediately on the spot, Joseph doesn't miss a beat. Can he interpret the dreams? Well, not he, he says, but God will give Pharaoh a favourable answer. And so Pharaoh takes the plunge and he shares his dreams, these intimate things, with this foreign stranger hauled out of a prison. And Joseph gives this immediate reading of the dreams, as he had done for the cupbearer. He credits God with being the source of this reading. He does this repeatedly not just God will give Pharaoh a favourable answer, but God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Verse 25. Or verse 28, God has shown Pharaoh. Or verse 32, the thing is fixed by God and God will shortly bring it about. The message of the dreams is that a long famine is coming, a seven-year famine, but that before that there will be seven years of plenty in which give an opportunity to prepare And Joseph doesn't just interpret the dream. He goes boldly on, suggests a course of action. Verses 33 to 36. Now, let Pharaoh select a man, discerning and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt to gather food, to lay it up against the seven years of famine. Now, you've got to wonder, how's this going to be received? How's it going to go when you boldly go and say something to power? You know, for John, the Baptizer, when he confronted Herod with something he didn't want to hear, it did not go well. And so Joseph might be trembling a little in the presence of Pharaoh to think, how's Pharaoh going to take this? Is he going to say, thank you for that interpretation. Now take him back to his dungeon. (laughs) Or is Pharaoh going to say, hmm, that doesn't sound right to me take him away and chop his head off. In fact, Pharaoh hears in Joseph the voice and the counsel of God. Can we find anyone else like this? One in whom is the spirit of God, he asks in verse 38. And in verses 39 and 40, he says, Since God has shown you all this, There is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves at your command. And so here is Pharaoh's wisdom, right? That he recognised in Joseph that he had a man whom God was with, whom God had sent. And this wisdom itself that Pharaoh had, this, I suggest to you, is God-given wisdom. It was not... That Pharaoh was a smart guy. It's that God opened his eyes and his heart to Joseph. The Pharaoh is nothing if not decisive. Verse 31. See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Joseph and Pharaoh started this day as strangers to one another. They were brought together by God over dreams about the future. And each recognised that God was at work in this. Joseph says, God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. And Pharaoh says, since God has shown you, Joseph, all this. Pharaoh embraces Joseph as a heaven-sent saviour. The one to bring Egypt through this coming crisis. Removing his signet ring, he put it on Joseph's hand. He set him over all the land of Egypt. That's the story So, some reflections. I asked earlier, why does God give this preview of the coming famine? Why tell this future at this time, when so often the Lord doesn't tell the future? Well, I think we should expand the question slightly and ask, why does God give this preview to Pharaoh at this time through Joseph? Because it's not just that Pharaoh gets a preview, it's it's bound up with Joseph coming into his life and being a part of interpreting and then preparing for the future. And on one level, the answer is, well, to save many lives. This is God's plan, to save many lives in the famine. Egyptian lives, yes, but also the lives of Joseph's own family. And if Joseph had not been where he was, ruling Egypt, they'd be sunk. So in some way, the answer is to save lives. But I think also the answer is that God previews the famine to Pharaoh through Joseph to demonstrate his intention to save many from death, Egyptian and Hebrew, but to save many through the actions of the offspring of Abraham, the offspring of Isaac and Jacob. In this case, that offspring, that descendant, is Joseph. He is the one through whom salvation will come. And this pattern of God's salvation is repeated on a much larger scale later in the Bible. We might ask ourselves, what other visions or dreams of the future does God give? And casting our minds through the Bible, we might think of the prophet Daniel and his Night visions, as I watched in the night visions, I saw one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven, says Daniel 7. Or we might think of the prophet Isaiah. We accounted him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted, the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. And who gives the interpretation of these visions, these dreams, these previews from God? Well, one person who certainly does that is Jesus. Jesus told his disciples, The Son of Man must undergo great suffering, be rejected and killed, and after three days rise again. The Son of Man of Daniel's night visions is combined with the suffering servant, the one struck down and afflicted of Isaiah's prophecy, So the Son of Man must undergo great suffering, but rise again and come with the clouds of heaven in the end. So Jesus gives interpretations of visions of the future. And as God sent Joseph to Pharaoh so that Egypt would be saved from famine, so God has sent Jesus to us so that we might be saved from sin and death. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. The Pharaoh recognised the one whom God had sent to him. And to all Egypt, can we find anyone like this? One in whom is the Spirit of God? And so the question for us is, have we recognised the one whom God has sent to us and to all the world? Can you find anyone else like Jesus? look for him in the gospels you know the gospel of mark's in the foyer consider his power his compassion his wisdom his purity of heart his self sacrifice consider his resurrection his defeat of death and death sin and darkness pharaoh pharaoh recognized the one whom god had sent by making him the boss you He says to Joseph, Shall be over all my house. I'm still Pharaoh, but you are the boss. Take my signet ring. Say what we must do. The question for us then is Have we recognised God's Saviour Jesus by making him the boss? Have you set Jesus over your house? Have you given him your signet ring so that he is the one who exercises authority in your realm? Today, tomorrow, this week, how could you do that better? How could you better learn his ways? How could you better invite him to show you what needs to be done in your life? How could you better trust his wisdom and teaching where it might be Hard for you to do that. How could you better return to the path of obedience? Return your signet ring again and again to Him. I'm setting you over my house. Because the path of obedience to Him is the way of salvation. As listening to Joseph was salvation for Pharaoh and for Egypt, so listening to Jesus is our salvation. It is in embracing the one whom God sends to save that we ourselves are saved. Let's pray. Father, we, we praise you for raising Joseph up from the pit of jail to authority in Egypt so that many lives might be saved. We praise you for sending him to Pharaoh and to his people that he was recognised and embraced And we praise you for sending Christ to us and raising him from the pit of death to your right hand so that many lives may be saved. And we pray that we would recognise and embrace him and follow him as our Saviour and Lord. Show us each what that means for us to be able to set him over our house and walk in his way of salvation.